Welcome to the Pro-AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. We've seen hardware get smaller and smaller, but in the past few years, it's been disappearing altogether, heading straight for the cloud. Within that cloud, innovators have been finding ways to improve cost, speed, and safety. So joining me today to talk about the ways cloud-based software is affecting the Pro-AV market is Mark Coxon, Regional Sales Manager for Barco. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. You know, I'm really excited to talk with you a little bit more about cloud-based software and moving away from hardware and getting more into cloud technology. Yeah, it's um, it's been a an interesting journey for sure. Um, I know we've been you know we've been talking about software and cloud for years, and you know the joke has always been you know cloud just means someone else's computer. Um, and by having stuff on someone else's computer, there were always kind of some security concerns and concerns about, I guess, what the, uh, you know, what the throughput, the speed and the availability of, of those services are. And, uh, you know, what if the cloud goes down or what if what if we can't get online? And so we've, uh, you know, we've been working through those issues for a long time. And I think uh, as more and more people are moving other services to cloud, they've become more, more uh, I guess, receptive to cloud across the uh, Pro-AV market as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd actually like to know a little bit more about how that's affecting the Pro-AV market. So yeah, since we've been moving more towards cloud-based software and cloud-based programs, how is that affecting Pro-AV businesses and Pro-AV industry leaders? Um, I think the first place that we really saw cloud take a chunk, um, you know, or leave its mark on Pro-AV has been more on the video teleconferencing side of the market. Um, you know, if you remember back, you know, five, 10 years ago, if you wanted to do video teleconferencing, you were typically buying a, a hard codec or a piece of a piece of hardware from Cisco or LifeSize or Polycom or one of these guys for, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 a room in order to create, you know, a secure network of offices in order to share video and and content back and forth between those locations, and um, you know, kind of in the background, as as Skype uh, became something that consumers were used to using, and then as uh, it turned into Microsoft Link and Skype for Business, and Zoom came on the market, and you know, Blue Jeans Networks, and a lot of these cloud-based um, conferencing companies came forward. Uh, end users really started looking at cloud seriously as a way to reduce the amount of infrastructure they had to own and manage. And um, so I think, you know, in that first, in that kind of first foray into cloud and eight pro AV was more in that video teleconferencing side of the market. And that really opened the door uh, for companies to start thinking about cloud and other parts of AV as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like cloud is really making I mean, the handling of AV products, simpler, more streamlined, and just less clunky. Yeah, and I think the best example of this, I heard, uh, I heard one of my industry peers one time, you know, mention that he had a, he had a meeting with a, a CTO at a company. And during that meeting, they were talking about teleconferencing. And during that meeting, the CTO held up his cell phone and he said, do you know how many of these I have in my company? And he said, no. And he said that he had several thousand of them. He said, you know how much infrastructure I have to own to manage these? And he said, zero. He's like, that's right. And really, that's the goal. You know, companies, companies want to have access to services. They really don't want to be in the business of owning and managing hardware. And, uh, you know, as, as they become more comfortable with cloud for things like video teleconferencing, 
that has opened the door for more software to find AV for things that were also, you know, traditionally hardware based. So if you think of uh, a company like QSC out in the market, which is a, you know, complementary company to us here at Barco, you know, they're starting to do things like do digital signal processing for uh, audio conferencing, and they're doing it through a server. So instead of selling an appliance, they're they're selling a software suite. And if you have speakers and microphones on the network, you can apply, you know, um, settings to those speakers and microphones to cancel echoes and, uh, you know, create the right sound profile for the room and do all that stuff without having to buy a piece of hardware. And so we're starting to see that spread more and more in, in our company, um, just because it's a product I know well. There are some other companies that do it as well. But in our company, we're even see that, seeing that go out into uh, the traditional AV control market where people want to now um, control and manage their devices and get data analytics, you know, through either a cloud-based or a web-based um, platform as opposed to having proprietary processors and touch panels. Have you noticed that going more towards cloud-based software and systems is easier to maintain than something like hardware? Because I know if hardware breaks, you got to have someone come in and fix it. But what is the reliability like for the cloud? So, I mean, there's, there's always, there's always this chance where, you know, there's always something that people bring up. Well, what if the, what if it goes down? What if the internet goes down? Um, what do I do then? And really, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago, that was a valid concern. Um, today, if the internet went down, you're probably not having that meeting anyway. Because if the internet goes down, you're not using your video conference. If the internet goes down, you can't get to your data that's on your Google Drive. If the internet goes down, you can't do a thousand things that you need to do in that meeting. So it, it's no longer something that just affects that one piece of the puzzle, right? I mean, it, honestly, if if the internet goes down, we all pretty much don't do any business until it comes back up, regardless. <laughs> so um, it's not something that just affects us, where they could they could um, you know have a productive meeting with technology um, in other ways without the internet across the board. So, you know, that that reliability standpoint has has started to fade somewhat because we're so dependent on it already that um, there's we have to we have to design things that suppose that it's going to be up just based on just based on, uh, you know, the normal course of our business. Hardware always has, you know, the potential to have an increased reliability in a way. If you're not using a Windows-based machine um, and you're using an appliance with a small Linux kernel running on it, that machine's probably not going to have to reboot itself like your Windows desktop does, right? So that has always been some of the attractiveness of hardware is that it runs a real small set of software, a real small operating system on it that is tailor-made for that piece of hardware. Um, But we're seeing that being able to be done in our space as well, even if you decide to go away from hardware. Uh, you know, like with some of the uh, some of the control system software that we do, you know, we use Docker containers that are, uh, I guess, operating system independent. They're agnostic. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to run a small Linux machine or if you wanted to just run a virtual machine on one of your kind of bulletproof servers in your office and run our package on that, you can do that. You don't have to buy a, a Windows desktop or run it from a laptop that's going to reboot every time there's an update. And then what about speed? Is something like the cloud faster or just about as fast as a piece of hardware that, you know, can handle all of this AV? So that really depends. I mean, that depends on an organization's kind of network footprint. 
as well as their uh, kind of the way they manage their their network traffic. So to give you an example, um, you know there are wireless presentation systems on the market where you can share your screen over the Wi-Fi network to a to a TV in the room per se. Um, you know sometimes that works really really well. Um, sometimes that can be a nightmare, and we've we've seen that be a nightmare in organizations where perhaps all their network traffic runs through a corporate switch before it comes back. So if you can imagine you're in California and now your your video before it goes to the screen in the room you're in has to run through a server in Illinois and through the switches there and then come back to you. Um, yeah, the latency and the, the availability and the network, I guess, burden could be insane. So you really, I mean, as AV people, we really have to know um, today how organizations are managing their data, how their data flows through their business in order to be able to um, you know, make sure we're making the proper recommendations. Uh, with us, with like our control system software, you know, we run a virtual machine at the local level and that virtual machine is what's executing all the commands. So let's say I want to turn on the lights and have the speakers go up and down and have the TV come on when I come in and press the button on the wall. Um, we don't want that to have to go through the cloud and come back. That's running on a virtual machine there. Um, the only thing that's really running on the cloud at that point are the user profiles that determine who has permissions to do what and kind of what their preferences are. And so that initial login is cloud-based. But after that, once they start actually doing things, you're not waiting for you know the cloud. And so we're seeing a lot of um, opportunities to leverage the cloud from a from a accessibility standpoint, while still do some things hybrid and local to make sure that we're managing speed well. And again, it's just knowing that customer's um, you know network and how it's best going to work. Right. So just because everything is moving towards cloud doesn't mean that everything has to move into the cloud. You know, just what is beneficial and just what will um, will be faster and a little more reliable. But exactly, like you said, you don't necessarily need to put a bunch of local things into a cloud-based software. It would just seem like a waste of time and and bandwidth and energy. Yeah. So, like, let, let me give you an example. So, let's say you have a CEO who's of a large company who has you know eighty buildings across the country, and he goes in and gives keynotes at you know any one of these buildings, depending on the audience that he has to go visit. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to have to manage his profile 80 different times across 80 different systems, right? That becomes um, tedious to manage and you have multiple teams all trying to make sure that the right profiles are there. If he changes anything, you have to make sure those updates get to all 80 of those systems. That be, that That's kind of the world we're in when we have proprietary hardware that's all running its own little kernel within one location, right? Um Whereas if you were able to, you know, manage that profile, those accessibilities and all those preferences through a web-based login, and then that web-based login is pointed to, you know, 80 virtual machines that run in those locations, then you're still using the, the local machine to do the execution of the commands and all those things. But you're giving, you know, him access to his buildings, you know, through one single login, no matter where he goes. And, uh, you know, that can be some of the power of, of the cloud and just in business continuity and increasing productivity and all those things. So what, what also interests me about the cloud is the security of it. Um, I feel like hardware is probably, in essence, it feels a little more secure because it's not necessarily connected to a larger network. So what is the security aspect of this cloud-based software? Is it, um, is it in a good place? Does it still need improving? Well, again, it depends on the product. I mean, if you're looking for if you're looking for cloud-based products, 
um, you know, some of the things you want to look for, you know, what ports do they, what ports do they require you to open? Are they ports that your IT department normally doesn't have open or has firewalled off because there's security concerns? So you have to look for products that use normal ports that people have open anyway for their standard communications in their business. Um, the other thing you want to look at is encryption. You want to make sure that everything's being encrypted, you know, like 256 bit encryption on those codes and keys and all those things. You know, all of those things help um, just like any of the data that you're going to move through the internet as a business. I, I think, you know, the, the most important part is as a business today, most businesses have data that's, I guess, accessible via the internet if somebody really wanted to try to get into it. And so you really need to take those that same approach to uh, to AV and just make sure that you're doing your due diligence and uh, putting those there with and not just you know throwing a piece of equipment in your in your I guess uh, your equipment closet and plugging an Ethernet port on into it and not knowing exactly what it's getting access to. So you know they say the the the, the most dangerous words in tech today are uh, I agree. Because we just click that end user license agreement every single time. I did it with Ringer today when we came in, right? Just, hey, we want to use Ringer to do this uh, podcast. Oh, sure. I, I would love to. And I just click, I agree. Did I read the 18 paragraphs of, of security concerns and what I'm agreeing to? Of course not. Um, as, business, as business people, CTOs and chief security officers within businesses, um, you know, they just need to make sure that they're doing the same due diligence with AD, AV devices that they would you know, managing customer data for credit or credit cards or any of those type of things as well. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but really, I feel like with AV, you know, you have a lot more um, security to think about in the first place, especially if it's software that handles important telecommunications, you know, let's say a really important business video conference, you want to make sure that the software that's running it and housing that information is safe and secure. But yeah, hundred percent. I mean, corporate espionage is a is a real thing. Um, financial firms have regulations they have to abide by. Uh, you know, obviously, healthcare has has HIPAA concerns with uh, you know the uh, privacy of patient data and things like that. And you always have to take your best effort. It's on the company to take their best effort to protect that data. And if it shows that they were negligent or apathetic in taking those steps. Um, you know, they could be, they could be in real trouble. So, you know, if you're setting up video teleconferencing for a doctor patient call, you have to make sure that you're using, uh, you know, a system that encrypts the data and it isn't um, able to be, you know, easily sniffed with a Wi-Fi sniffer and broken into. You know, we see products on the market for wireless sharing. Let's say that, you know, if you sat outside a conference room with a laptop, you could pick up that video signal just flying through the air and watch it on your on your laptop. Um, for a corporate meeting that's talking about, uh, you know, maybe find, you know, for a private company that's looking at their financials for the year, you know, you may not want that. Somebody all of a sudden can do some insider trading and do a lot of things that they shouldn't be able to do to manipulate stock prices, do all that kind of stuff. So you definitely do have those, um, you definitely do have those concerns in AV. And, uh, you know, you just need to make sure that you're partnering with companies that have that mindset. Not all of them do. Some people want to sell a product and they've found, you know, somebody offshore that will OEM something for them and uh, they'll put it out on the market. And, and then there are other companies that take a responsible approach to making sure that things can't be hacked and encrypted. And, and usually those companies will have white papers and security documents and all those things that you can use as an organization to make sure you're comfortable with it before you deploy it. 
Right, right, absolutely. So then the last piece I wanted to talk about um, with these cloud-based softwares is the cost of them. Um, are you seeing that, at least in the pro-AV market, is the cost similar to hardware? Is it a little cheaper? And then, you know, what are innovations to make these softwares cheaper if they are? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it again, I think, you know, we've seen with the, uh, with like, soft codec teleconferencing, there was a, there was a real advantage, um, especially in the upfront capital, capital expenditure. So your CapEx costs, your hardware costs go way down. You're not buying a 10, 20, $30,000 box. Um, you may buy something like a $2,000 Intel Nook or a, or a Mac mini, put it behind the display. And that's now your conferencing device and you're running whatever teleconferencing app you want on it. So there is an initial savings in the hardware upfront. And obviously, then you're paying a service fee or a licensing fee per sometimes per seat, sometimes per location as you go down the line. Um, same thing with control system software, like you know, on our end where we have uh, you know the software called Overture. It's a control system software. You know that replaces a traditional box that would maybe cost two to three thousand dollars that goes in a room, um, and you know we do that for three hundred dollars a room per year. So over the course of 10 years, the customer may pay the same amount as they did for that processor that's there. Um, however, there's some other, you know, like I said, advantages to that in, in uh, being able to leverage profiles across locations and not managing all of those boxes and the power draw and all those things that you have. And so, you know, the, the cost, if you look at it over time, it's really going to depend on your technology refresh cycle. But if you refresh technology every five to 10 years, it's probably pretty similar by the time you add those services up that you get all the, the flexibility um, of that. And then like I know in our case, we're not using proprietary language. I mean, we use like HTML. So you're not paying somebody that has to be able to program at $200 an hour in a proprietary language to make your changes if you decide to change the TV in your conference room. Um, you know, those things can be managed many times with a drop down list by somebody in the IT department or with a few lines of code by, by somebody that knows HTML. So a um, lot of advantages, you know, just on the long-term management um, side. Yeah, I mean, I feel like by the time you'd even have to replace any of that hardware, you know, like 10 years down the line, that hardware is probably already a little dated and there's something better on the market that you're going to have to pay another, you know, 2000 or 3000 for. So cloud-based software where you have a subscription service for it, it probably will save you some money in the long run. Yeah. And, you know, then you don't have a, you know, you don't have a situation where you have a closet full of boxes that you're trying to put on eBay and all those things, too. you know, I've been in those. Situations <laughs> right. Exactly. Too, where I've been in a new building and they, you know, the IT guy, the first thing he does, he walks me through the back and he goes, see all this stuff here. This is all stuff we, we don't use anymore or stuff that we bought that we're not using because situations changed. And, um, you know, we see that over time. So, I mean, obviously technology changes at a fast pace. It's changing, you know, faster all the time. Uh, but, you know, most people have a three to five year technology refresh cycle. Um, if they have a real, you know, technology plan in their business, they know that that's about what it's going to be. I mean, if you think of the last time you bought a, a television, it was 1080p and now today they're 4K and you have applications that need to utilize that extra resolution. Now, all of a sudden you're having to buy, you know, better cables and you're having to buy uh, different extenders and a Blu-ray player that supports the enhanced resolution and all those things. So, there's already a technology cycle that's in there. And uh, if we can keep the more, the more stuff that doesn't, you know, uh, require that refresh, like a, like a processor or something like that, 
you know, the better. And I think, uh, you know, I think IP-based control is here to stay. I don't think that's going away. I think, I think the Ethernet port is a port that's not going to change much um, over time. I mean, we're managing a, a switch from IPv4 to IPv6 for more addresses because of the Internet of Things and that burgeoning kind of market. But I think we've seen that, you know, um, Ethernet's not going away. The Ethernet port's not going away, and neither are Wi-Fi adapters. Um, we're leveraging those more and more with light bulbs and and uh, everything, you know, in a space has a has a network uh, adapter in it now, some one way or another, wireless or hardwired. So, I think uh, you know systems that leverage that over time are going to be ones that have hard hard uh, ROI and uh, are very profitable for businesses. Definitely, and then you know, taking all of that and looking into the future a little bit. Where do you think these cloud-based softwares are going to go within the Pro-AV market, and how do you think there's still room for them to innovate to better suit uh, Pro-AV's needs? So, you know, the big, the big kind of, I guess, conundrum right now is, is, you know, is our industry going to move to an as-a-service industry? You know, is audio-video going to move to an to a AV as-a-service? And if it does, what does that look like? You know, I, I've I've seen some conversations going on around this out in the space, and I've written a little bit about it as well. Um, you know, some people think AV think of AV as a service as a glorified lease. That oh, I'm just going to get that same piece of hardware, but I'm just going to pay for it over five years, and that's really not what AV as a service is. Um, like I said earlier, if you have a, a server that can run digital signal processing, you're not buying a signal processor for every room. What you're doing is you're going to deploy you know, the, the software to whatever rooms you need. And if you decide that you have two more rooms, you may have to add speakers in those rooms because there's always going to be a little bit of a minimum component to a system. Minimum component components to me are screens, speakers, microphones, cameras. I can't virtualize those. Can't virtualize a camera in a room. I can't virtualize a microphone element to pick up sound. I can't virtualize a screen to see something. Um, and I can't virtualize, you know, a speaker to move air so that I can hear it. Those are things that are always going to have to be in a room. But the way that we utilize those, what those have access to as far as data, as far as um, uh, sources in a system, you know, used to you had to have a matrix switch and a matrix switch would push video to whichever screens. And if you ran out of ports, you needed a bigger matrix switch. If all your TVs are on the network and your your sources or your content is all cloud-based, Really, you can push that content to whatever screen you want if you decide to just turn on the service to that display, right? Same thing with the DSP to a speaker or something like that. So I think what we're going to see are our companies are going to deploy things that are web-based. They're going to have minimum components in the room. They're going to get rid of some of these things they don't need, um, especially with uh, another innovation right now is this uh, the enhanced power over Ethernet where you can get more power to a system through Cat5. Um, you may not need audio amplifiers to run speakers anymore. Speakers may just run on PoE from a switch. Um, so again, as we minimize those things, then we we virtualize, I guess, the part of the system that, that, that no longer needs an appliance. And we can apply that to rooms if we need them. If the rooms change and now I have two rooms, then I just pay for the two rooms next year instead of three. Right. And that's the way that we're going to see the the market change over time. Yeah, well, it's exciting to see ways that these softwares can make lives easier for people in the pro AV market. I mean, even though that hardware is always going to be there, right? Always going to need the mic, always going to need the speakers, always going to need the video. 
the way that those are handled and the way that all the information is compiled and stored and sent from screen to screen, like you said, you know, making that more streamlined and easy to use is is always going to be something that people are looking to do. So yeah, it's exciting to see that future come to life. And thank you for coming on the podcast to really help explain how that might come to light. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me. And I think, you know, as you as you look towards technology in the future, you really see, um, you know, that smart workflows are going to become the thing. And, and that's only enabled through through cloud and IP based systems. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for coming on. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to learn more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries to subscribe to more videos, articles, or podcasts from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time.